A Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. Calling all Gen Xers. Were you born in the 1970s or early 80s? Have memories of getting up early to watch cartoons on Saturday mornings? If you can name all of the original MTV VJs without hesitation, you have found your podcast. Hosted by filmmaker, DJ, and lover of all things analog, Roy Turner. As we take you back to a simpler time of your biggest concern was asking Santa for an Atari or Nintendo for Christmas. We bring you all the spoils of being a kid in the generation of excess and a teenager heading towards a new millennium with all the music, games, movies, and events that shaped us proudly as Generation X as we celebrate growing up 80s and groomed in the 90s. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Growing Up 80s. I'm your host as always, Roy Turner. Very special episode this week. It's the 40th anniversary of everyone's favorite gangster film. I have a very personal connection to this film. Of course, I'm talking about Scarface. Joining me, a voice you'll recognize who, if this was part of my history, it's part of her history. My mother, Patricia, is here. The unforgettable star turn with Al Pacino as the infamous gangster, Tony Montana. Don't you think you fucking with him, I told him about that! You fuck with me! You fucking with the back! Rises of prominence as part of a, of a drug cartel as Tony Montana. Directed by Brian De Palma and written by Oliver Stone. Serving as a loose remake of the 1932 film, it tells the story of Cuban refugee who arrived penniless in Miami during the Mariel Boatlift with his best friend Manny Ray and their companions Angel and Chichi. The four are released and given green cards in exchange for murdering a former Cuban general at the request of Miami drug lord Frank Lopez. I kill a communist for fun, but for a green card, I'm gonna carve him up real nice. Becomes a powerful drug lord. Stephen Bauer as Manny, mm -hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer as Elvira. The film was dedicated to the memories of Howard Hawks and Ben Height, writers of, of the original film back in 1932. Released on December 9th, 1983. Al Pacino became interested in a, in, in a remake of the 1932 version after seeing it, and he and producer Martin Bregman began to develop it. So Al Pacino just wasn't just cast in this film. He was very much involved in the production side. Sidney Lumet was initially hired to direct a film, but replaced by De Palma, who hired Oliver Stone to write the script. I see. Filming took place from November of 1982 to May of 83 in Los Angeles and Miami. Initial critical reception was negative due to its excessive violence, profanity, and graphic drug use. Some Cuban objected to the film's portrayal of Cubans as criminals and drug traffickers. In the years that followed, some critics have reappraised it, considering it one of the greatest gangster films ever made. And it has been referenced extensively in pop culture, as well as comic books, television programs, and video games, regarded as a cult classic. In 1980, Cuban refugee and ex-convict Tony Montana arrives in Miami as part of the Marielle Boatlift Hospital. Yeah, he wanted to get married, he wanted to have children, right. all that kind of stuff, but it was just, you know, it wasn't within his... I remember seeing this in the newspaper. The Marielle Boatlift was a mass immigration of Cubans who traveled from Marielle Harbor, it states between April 15th and Halloween of 1980. That's like six months. Mm -hmm. The term Marioletto is pl or plural Marioletos is used to refer to these refugees. The exodus was triggered by a sharp downturn in the Cuban economy 
It followed on the heels of generations of Cubans who had immigrated to the United States in the preceding decades. After 10,000 Cubans tried to gain asylum by taking refuge on the grounds of the Peruvian embassy, the Cuban government announced that anyone who wanted to leave could do so. The ensuing mass migration was organized by Cuban Americans with the agreement of Cuban President Fidel Castro. The arrival of the refugees in the United States created political problems for President Jimmy Carter. As many as 125,000 Cubans had reached Florida. Wow. The first time I've personally seen the film in over 20 years. When was the last time that you saw this movie? In the 80s. What did you think? What hit me first? When I was 11 years old, I shouldn't have seen this movie, right? I, I was a different person at that time, and they were, everybody was different, you yeah. know? So I didn't even think about you seeing this movie. We discovered this two full years after the fact. In 1985, I was 11 years old, halfway to 12, okay? And you had just turned 41. I This movie is very personal to us. So why would a incredibly violent and inc it, at one point it set the record for most occurrences of the f word appealed to poor suburban average people living in little rock arkansas in 1985 how did this movie come into our lives one part of the film that make me go haha tonight the big finale at the end mm -hmm. where he drops from the balcony onto the pool, to the pool. Uh -huh. one night i was in my room in Wakefield, I guess I was going to the fridge to get, a, get something to drink. And Bill was sitting on the couch and he was up watching this movie. Bill is the one that picked it out. I see literally the last 45 seconds of the film. Something about that was like, I have got to see everything that came before. I have seen this movie without an exaggeration. 200 times without exaggeration i was renting this movie every other day i said an exaggeration from a mom and pop place still interesting and baffling they rented to me the fact that it was a mom and pop store is what made it possible for me to have rented do you understand right okay right. there wasn't a blockbuster in our area no well, i would not have the same connection to the film that I do to this day. Think about that for a second. I walked in there, and how it worked, if you're a blockbuster, about the movies behind it, right? They had these little round chips that you could write on. The chip means they had a copy of it, and you would just take the chip off. First of all, I'm 11. I didn't give them an address, a phone number, a credit card, nothing. Looking back on it, taking advantage of a situation, the store opened like three o'clock, and the guy that owned it had his daughter i only talked to her and she gave me no trouble i was so obsessed with i would keep my lunch money so after school i could go run a movie plus i gave you three dollars the guy with a machine gun kissing his dead sister about to launch a grenade launcher and and talk shit about it before he pulls the trigger making it a, a physical ascension Mm -hmm. of the steps, mm -hmm. symbolic mm -hmm. of their ascension into the road. That's very cool. A money laundering sting operation by federal agents result in Tony being charged with tax evasion and facing a prison sentence. Sosa offers to use his government connections to keep Tony out of prison, but only if Tony helps kill an activist intending to expose Sosa's drug operations. Today, remember? Yeah, during the summertime. Three bucks was a lot of money to me. I could get a comic book for 60 cents, a pack of Garbage Pail Kid cards for 25 cents, and I could rent a movie for 50 
cents. Scarface was a dollar because it was two tapes. The movie's so damn long, I thought that I was doing something sophisticated. <laughs> it's strange to say that, but that was an appeal. There was these twins I went to school with, Robert and John Mack. And sometimes that. I would walk to their house after school. They lived just across the street. And it's a cul-de-sac thing, but their backyard fence faced that strip mall. So I could go to their house, hang out for a little bit, and I just climb over the fence and go to the video store and, and get Scarface and go home. I'm so obsessed with this movie that when I walk in, I no longer have to do the, the chip. She would see me and go, hey, it just came in. And I, one day I came in and it was checked out. And I actually cried. Oh my gosh. I actually sat on the curb and cried. <laughs> oh my gosh. But why? Why did this movie speak to me so much? I don't know why you were so fascinated with it. Maybe because you saw it as you, know, you were really doing something here. Previously, you hadn't been able to do this kind of stuff. Sure. Not only did I love this movie and this character of Tony Montana and this whole adventure, and the whole thing is a hoot. I mean, it's very violent, but the whole thing is kind of strange, isn't it? I was obsessed with the storyline, these places, and oh my God, Michelle Pfeiffer is so hot. I was so, in, I really think she was like the, my, the first occurrence where she was making me feel things that I had never felt before. <laughs> when she gets on the elevator and she comes down, and he, you're seeing like the toughest guy in the world yeah. melt into pieces, and you're kind of melting with him, right? Yeah. I love the music so much. There was no YouTube. The only way I could hear these songs was to rent the movie. It sounds like what people on cocaine would have been listening to in 1982-83 in Miami. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing music I've never heard before. Giorgio Moroder, the maestro. I've come to appreciate him separate from Scarface as an adult. I never knew how influential this movie was. There was this petition to get Brian De Palma, who directed the film, to re-release the film with an updated gangster rap soundtrack. This is real. Could you imagine that movie without that 80s disco? It wouldn't have fit. Uh -uh. I have not seen this film in over 20 years. I still knew every word before they were going to say it. I, I, I could have done the whole thing for you. Yeah. Like it was second nature. I do remember at times I would go rent a, a VCR. A VCR. You know, that was like 50 bucks to rent that. Yeah. And it came enclosed in this igloo case <laughs> yeah. to keep you from breaking into it. Imagine our kitchen at Wakefield. I can remember you coming so excited and it had a handle on it even. I mean, it was like carrying like, like a jam box radio. This was like a surprise. You had that and a pizza and there were three movies on top of it. And you'd want two liter of, of something under your arm. I can see this <laughs> like it happened yesterday. Right. It's one of my fondest memories. Must have been payday. <laughs> or, or tax time. Yeah, the reason why we didn't have one. Yeah, they were very expensive. Yeah, we yeah. actually didn't get one until we were in Jacksonville. We had to. because Yeah, we had one in Jacksonville. The only criticism I really have is I thought this was going to be 4K, restored, HD, IMAX, special, thing, or just an original 35mm print. What we saw tonight was clearly a DVD to projector transfer and it looked like dog shit. 
I didn't even notice that part. I was so engrossed in the movie. Right before the assassination on Amelia Rabanga. Mm-hmm. And he's in that phone booth. Mm-hmm. And they do that amazing crane shot. And it was all the crane shots. The, the next crane shot is when all that crazy shit's happening with the Colombians at the Sunray Motel. And Manny is in the car flirting with that girl. Mm-hmm. Right. Omar Suarez sends the four to purchase cocaine from Colombian dealers. Tony and Angel are captured at gunpoint, and Tony is forced to watch Angel being dismembered with a chainsaw before Manny and Chi-Chi rescue him. Tony now delivering the cocaine, because if he just gave it to Omar, he would never got the credit. And they do that incredible crane shot. You, you know, the daylight exteriors, you could see all these yellow dots. So, so how, how did you remember it ending? In my mind, all these people came in shooting, just blowing him to pieces. You remember the dramatic fall and the world is yours no. and all that? Say hello to my little friend. What? Always stuck in my mind. Do you want to play with Okay. Say hello to my little friend. While you reminisce about your first kiss on a waterbed after a long night at the skating rink, we're going to take a quick break to fix the TV antenna and hear from these great sponsors. That injured American nomenclature. It's kind of like the thing with Forrest Gump. I Believe it or not, I'm one of the few people in the world who have never seen the movie Forrest Gump. But everybody knows life is like a box of chocolates, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Even if you've never seen Scarface, now everyone knows that line. It's, right, quite, it's right. a part of the fabric of America. There was a movie that came out like in the 1930s called Scarface about Al Capone. This is right, about yeah. a real-life immigration crisis that happened in 1980. Uh, okay. Believe it or not, they actually put this movie on network television mm-hmm. years later. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to do? Bleep out every F word? Instead of bleeping it, they would change the word. It was dubbed. Which in my mind, it's, it's almost worse, right? Right. The biggest offense, forgive me, oh, this is a vulgar, but whenever they're sitting and at the beach, in the actual film, Montana delivers the line, this place is like one giant pussy just waiting to get fucked. The network TV version uh-huh. changed it to this, Jim. This place is like one great big chicken just waiting to get plucked. Oh my God. You gotta be kidding me. I'm not. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I thought you would enjoy that. <laughs> Two minutes of violence, profanity, and sex were edited out. <laughs> Was there something that you felt that you were able to put together you weren't able to put together before? Quite a bit, actually. Small things, you know. Great example is Manny flirting with a girl in the car. Uh-huh. I, I never realized. And later on, when he sees his sister on the dance floor, uh-huh. you see Manny dancing with that blonde. Mm-hmm. And then later They're on... They're in the bed together. Yeah, it's the same girl. Something else I thought was weird. When he goes into the bathroom and catches Gina with that creep, mm-hmm. later on, he buys her a salon and a cutting ribbon. The person that hands her the scissors is that guy from the bathroom. Seemingly, now her boyfriend at the time... I didn't notice that. Uh-huh. Never able to follow as a kid. I wouldn't have gotten the references. Frank Singh, after he is ambushed, the Babylon Club, mm-hmm. you see him sitting on a bed talking to Nick the pig. You're going to call at 3 o'clock sharp. We fucked up. He got away. Next, you see him walking in to Frank Motors. Mm-hmm. And he automatically knows because he sees Mel Bernstein. The phone rings and Frank didn't want to answer it. Tony in a poker move goes, well, let me answer. I'll, 
He's like, no, no, shoot that piece of chip. None of that was obvious to me in 85. I could never put that together. I always like that scene when he spares Ernie. Yeah, when you sweat. He's got a bottle of Jack and he's drinking from the bottle. That made me laugh, yeah, that made me laugh. Travel to New York City to assassinate the activist. Shadow plants a radio-controlled bomb under the activist's car, but Tony tries to call off the hit upon seeing him accompanied by his wife and children. When Shadow refuses to back down, which in that moment, you've never hated anybody more in your life that this guy is completely cool mm -hmm. with this. Mm -hmm. Tony kills him before he can detonate the bomb. It was his human sign. Tony returns to Miami where in an enraged Sosa calls him to promise retribution for allowing the activist to deliver the expose. High on cocaine, tracks down Gina and finds her with Manny. And in a fit of rage, Tony shoots Manny dead, only to learn that Gina had just married him. He's overprotective of her. Mm -hmm. But didn't it seem like he was in love with her or something? Buying her jewelry that says always? That's something you would give to a lover. I don't think it was sexual. No, in fact, when she makes the suggestion, mm -hmm. she's not there to actually seduce him. She's there to kill him but to tease him first to get some satisfaction after what he's done uh -huh. because she snaps mentally even in his completely coked out state mm -hmm. i always thought whenever all of, a sudden he, all of a sudden he sits down in his chair mm -hmm. he rubs his chest he thought he was having a heart attack because of the all the all the cocaine uh, yes. it's not he suddenly had the realization that he had just killed his best friend and broke his sister's heart in the process. Completely grief-stricken. It was his human sign. Yeah, it is. He was ready to die himself. I think so too. That's interesting. Yeah. He wasn't going to give in to the seemingly in invincible, taking bullet after bullet and he's still standing. Tony's body falls off the balcony into a pool where it floats near the base of a globe bearing the iconic motto, the world is yours. For some reason, in spite of everything, I felt very sympathetic for Tony. Sadness. This could have turned a different way, a different path. You okay. Know, I was sad for M Manny, you yeah. know. I was so sad. Yeah, yeah it, it, Manny's death really hit me the hardest. Pacino insisted on taking the lead role as Tony Montana, although Robert De Niro had been offered it and turned it down. Mm -hmm. He's already in The Godfather. He didn't want to be mm -hmm. typecasting. Mm -hmm. Pacino worked with experts in knife combat trainers and boxer Roberto Duran to attain the body type that he wanted for the role. Duran also helped inspire the character who had a certain lion in him. According to Pacino, Meryl Streep's immigrant character in Sophie's Choice, the year before in 82, also influenced Pacino's portrayal of Tony Montana. And a dialect coach helped him learn aspects of the Cuban link, Spanish language and pronunciation. Mm -hmm. You would think that Stephen Bauer, who played Manny, was Cuban. He wasn't. He learned all of that. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, complete unknown at the time. You know mine and Nikki. Obsession with Grease 2. Mm -hmm. So that summer in 82, our very, our very first summer at Greyback, we watched... Grease 2. Nikki already a Grease person, the original one. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen it, so I don't have the loyalty to Grease that I have to Grease 2. Mm -hmm. And it became, like, if there's any movie I'm as or more obsessed with than Scarface, it's Grease 2. Okay? So the lead role in Grease 2 isn't Olivia Newton-John. It's Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm -hmm. So when I saw Scarface in 85, Elvira was 
From Greece, too. That's another big, big component. Others considered including Gina Davis, Carrie Fisher, Kelly McGillis, Rosanna Arquette, Melanie Griffith, Kim Basinger, Brooke Shield, Sharon Stone, and Sigourney Weaver. Oh, my God. I I don't see any of them except... Kim Basinger could have yeah, pulled that yeah, off. Yeah. And maybe Rosanna Arquette. Rosanna Arquette could be sexy for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Stephen Bauer got his role without even auditioning. During the audition process, casting director uh, Alex Gordon saw Bauer and instantly noted that he was right for the role of Manny, a judgment with which De Palma and Bregman agreed. The original role um... of Manny. Uh uh-uh. uh. John Travolta. Oh, yeah. yeah. He might have pulled it off, but what a different movie it would have been, mm-hmm. right? Picture was shot over 24 weeks from November 22nd, 1982 to May 6, 1983. Although the film is set in Miami, the Miami Tourist Board declined request to film there. Featuring the film's themes of drugs and gangsters would deter tourism. Instead, much of the film was shot in Los Angeles. In April 83, however, one scene was shot at Miami's Fountain Blue Miami Beach. We know that, and that's the scene we're talking about where he sticks out his tongue and all that. Mm -hmm. A second unit team shot for one day at Coronado Beach in San Diego, California. Tony's opulent mansion was El Ferrutus, a Roman-styled mansion near Santa Barbara, California. Mm -hmm. Pacino burned his left hand on the muzzle of the gun that had just been fired when he tripped during a fight scene. The gunfight scene at the end of the film includes a single camera shot. That's one shot. And it is not directed by Brian De Palma. Directed by Steven Spielberg, who was visiting the set at the time. And that's why that looks the way that it does. Suddenly the film takes on a whole new look. Powdered baby laxative was used as the fake substance for cocaine in the film. Oh my God. Pacino's nasal passage was slightly damaged due to snorting large quantities over the course of filming. <laughs> An X rating by the MPAA mm-hmm. for excessive and cumulative violence and for language. De Palma had already recut the film three times by that point. De Palma stated, I said I've had it with these people. I'm not taking any more out. Bregman told the New York Times that we have been designated as a pornographic film. November the 8th, an appeal board composed of 20 theater owners, studio executives, and independent distributors overturned the decision 17 to 3 in favor of an R rating, more than the two-thirds required. De Palma believed that the changes were minor enough to be unnoticeable. De Palma released the film uncut anyway, only admitting into it months after the film's release. I think in this day, would everyone's so uptight about everything that I think that they would watch this movie like how sometimes I watch some 70s films and kind of go, how did they get away with that? Mm-hmm. I agree with that. The music in Scarface was produced by Academy Award-winning Italian record producer Giorgio Moroder, the maestro. Reflecting Marauder's style, the soundtrack consists mostly of synthesized new wave and electronic music. De Palma said that he repeatedly denied Universal's request to release the film with a pop score. In 2001, plans were made for a hip-hop artist, Cuban Link, to write and star in a sequel titled Son of Tony. Get the fuck out of here. Of course, that was canceled. Final thoughts from you. I think about that time at, at, in Wakefield. 
that's what Scarface means to me. It means discovery. It means a lot of things. I saved my lunch money mm -hmm. to go to a mom and pop store and rent this movie several times a week for two years. What was I playing it on? We didn't have a VCR. We did have one at one point, remember? We had it from a place like Rena Center. And I was making payments on it. I couldn't make payments on it anymore. And yeah. they took it back. <laughs> and that was like the worst day of my entire life. When we moved down here, when we got one, that picture of me sleeping on, on the floor with a yeah, heater, yeah, yeah. and we would watch VHS. We, we didn't have a VHS, but we had a VCR. And it was pretty damn expensive. We first discovered the film. You and I went to the theater tonight to see Scarface, and we have spent the last two hours podcasting and reminiscing about it, sharing our ideas and thoughts and memories and love and everything else. When you say Scarface... When you and I are in the same room, it means something completely different. Oh, yeah, definitely. What does it mean? It means another thing that you and I have done together. It's so much more than a film and attached to something uniquely ours yeah. that nobody else would get. Right. I and agree. the fact that we're celebrating that tonight is a big deal to me. I hope that you will revisit this film. This is a great movie. Go see it. Thank you again for joining us. For my co-host, my mother, Patricia, thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host as always, DJ Tricky Kid, and this has been Growing Up 80s and Groomed in the 90s. And we will see you next week. Growing Up 80s and Groomed in the 90s is produced by Tricky Kid Media and distributed by iHeartRadio. Make sure to download the iHeartRadio app so you can feel like a member of the Jetsons and be part of the future as well as the past. And make sure to follow along on Twitter at Growing underscore Up 80s for the latest in all of our 80s and 90s themed events and special guests. Growing Up 80s and Groomed in the 90s isn't just the name of this podcast. It's also the title of a forthcoming docuseries currently in production, directed by our host, Roy Turner, chronicling real events in his personal life of growing up 80s in a small town in Arkansas. Stay tuned for release dates and premier party information. Inquire within about investment opportunities on our website at tricky-kid.com. Check it out.